Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, your host. We've got a great show lined up, so let's get started. And this is Ashlyn Dave, and this is the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast, episode number 287. It is the week of January 4th, 2022, and I'd like to welcome you to the show. Uh, Happy New Year. Thanks for coming back. If you're a returning listener, if you're a new listener, I hope that you would stick with the podcast. I get it out about once a month. I really would like to do it more often than that, but it's difficult uh, personal issues, I would say. Uh, but I've been doing it a long time, so you should go back uh, if you're interested and, and listen to older episodes, which you can find at ashlandave.podbean.com. Now, I'm going to call this one Let's Go Buffalo, and uh, Ashland Dave 2.0 is back, or is here, let's say. Um, I'll explain a little bit about that later in the show. Um, mainly, I'm back from injury, so I will uh, describe what that's like here in a little bit. Um, but for the regular listeners, I wanted just to bring up this again, uh, listener roll call. I'll, I'll be doing this at episode number 300 and, um, you can send me an email at ashlanddave at gmail.com. That's A-S-H-L-A-N-D-D-A-V-E at gmail.com. Uh, give me a name or a first name. You don't have to give me your last name. Uh, where you hail from and a short little snippet about what kind of running you do. And, um, depending on uh, how many I get, um, I will, uh, at episode number 300, I'll do the listener roll call. I did this back at uh, episode 100 and 200. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because I've only got, uh, I guess, 12. The 12th episode after this one will be number 300, and I just want to make sure I'm prepared. Um, so if, you, if you've uh, thought about doing that and just haven't, uh, now's a great time to do it. Uh, I've already gotten a handful so far from some folks that have listened to the show. Um, that's at ashlanddave at gmail.com, your name, where you hail from, what kind of running you do, and a real short little, uh, summary. And, uh, I do, I will, uh, mention all those in episode 300 coming up in, uh, probably just a few months. Um, so let's go Buffalo. Uh, when I say that, I say, let's go, let's go Buffalo Bills. This is not a NFL fan podcast at all. Uh, but I do want to describe my trip to Buffalo, New York, and um, and I saw the Bills play the Patriots uh, December. Oh gosh, I think it was December sixth, a couple weeks back. Um, man, what a trip that was! So it all started. Uh, it's a real quick story. It all started when um, some of my fraternity brothers had taken a trip to Las Vegas. Um, this was a trip. Uh, well, it wasn't going to be initially at, to Las Vegas, um, but f- several of my fraternity brothers and I from James Madison University, uh, we all graduated, let's see, 91 to 92, uh, this group that I still stay in touch with. It's about nine of us. And over the years, uh, we have done a uh, an annual trip. And uh, over the last few years with COVID, it has been a little difficult to put something together And uh, this past trip I wasn't able to make, Uh, I thought everybody was going down to Dallas. And um, turns out they went to Las Vegas. And anyway, I got a phone call, uh, I guess it was probably beginning of November, from uh, my friend Tom, who's not Ashland Tom, but my fraternity brother Tom. 
And he asked me, hey, uh, what do you think about going to the uh, Buffalo Pats game in December? And he said, uh, you get yourself up to Buffalo and you got tickets and um, some other entertainment uh, stuff going on. And um, so that was a no brainer. So I made arrangements to do that. Uh, took the Amtrak from Ashland to uh, to Trenton, New Jersey. You know, that was interesting, real comfortable. Uh, train was barely full. I walked up to the train station because I live only live a half mile from the Amtrak station here in the center of the universe. And uh, hardly anybody on the train from Ashland to D.C. And then when they changed engines, uh, in case anybody's not aware, uh, it's diesel trains south of D.C. And then when you go to D.C., everything north of that is electric. So they switched the engines. And then I took it up to Trenton where my friend Tom, who lives in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, he came and picked me up. Uh, the Trenton train station was a little hairy. Uh, that were some, there were some interesting people hanging around there. Uh, but anyway, I got in the car. He had a cooler full of beer. So I had a, that was about a 40-minute drive to his house. He lives in this beautiful area. Had a few beers in the car, relaxed. Um, that was on a Saturday. Uh, we piled around that afternoon, went to a brewery in Doylestown called Geronimo, which was really cool. Um, had dinner had dinner at his house that night. Sunday we got up, had breakfast, and then uh, made the uh, six to seven hour drive to Buffalo. Now, when I got to his house, um, Tom's a very generous person, and um, he had basically said, you, all, you, all you need to do is get yourself up here and we're going to go to the game. Everything's covered. And I'm not used to that kind of thing. I, um, I'm appreciative of it. I really am. I, I never, I'm just not used to, you know, being people being so nice and generous to, <laughs> with me. So, uh, but he also got me a souvenir. He got me a vintage, uh, 1990. Oh yeah. 1991 Thurman Thomas, uh, vintage Jersey, uh, number 34, uh, which had to cost a pretty penny. So I uh, got that as a souvenir. Um, anyway, we drive up, get up to Buffalo that afternoon. Uh, that was on a Sunday. Of course, the game was Monday night. Now, uh, for the forecast was for some pretty dismal weather. Uh, we got up there, tailgated in the snow. It was snowing horizontal, uh, but not uh, not accumulating, which was really nice. Uh, get into the game. Uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, food and drink uh, going on at the tailgate, which started about 4 o'clock, and the game wasn't until 7.30. Uh, so you can just imagine, you know, there's lots of food and drink. Uh, things were pretty crazy. We were with uh, definitely a group of Bill's Mafia. <laughs> um, and one of the guy that was kind of behind this whole thing, his name was Ryan. He runs an insurance outfit, and uh, he and Tom had some business. And we had gone to a business dinner um Sunday night, uh, which I was just an add-on, so I kind of spent most of my time uh, sitting at the bar. Met Aaron Williams, who's a previous uh, Bills uh, player from a couple years back. Um, I mean, he wouldn't remember me if I ever saw me again. I, frankly, I probably wouldn't remember him if I ever saw him again either, unless somebody pointed him out to me. But uh, he was very nice, um, and I wasn't really in on the the business discussion. So um, basically, I was Tom's date, <laughs> if you can say, but I'm not gay. Um, so that was the night before. So we were kind of still with the same business group. And um, so I didn't really know anybody. So I, I kind of made some friends at the at our tailgate of some people that were kind of Klingons like I was and uh, met some really nice people. 
and boy, it was cold. I had uh, three layers underneath my jeans, and I had five layers up top. I had let's see, regular t-shirt, thermal, uh, long sleeve shirt, thermal shirt, sweater, vest, and then a jacket. I think that's five. And um, and I did, and I didn't get cold. I brought a, a, a backup pair of gloves in case the first pair I was wearing got wet, and I had to switch out. Because uh, we were worried it was going to rain, but never did. It was just snowing horizontally, and the wind was just whipping. Uh, the wind was that was uh, blowing so hard that the porta johns in the line—they were all lined up in the parking lot. They were blowing around the parking lot when nobody was in them, not toppled over. They were just you know would move a foot, and um, so you had to go wait in line in kind of weird ways. Uh, really, um, the whole the whole the whole trip was really inexpensive for me. It was thirty-five dollars to get up there on the train. I flew home uh, the day after the game. I'll talk more about the game in a second because I have a short story from that. Uh, it was $87 to fly to, from Buffalo to Richmond. Um, and then I even got an upgrade, uh, a pretty inexpensive upgrade, and sat in first class from LaGuardia to Richmond. I'd never sat in first class before, so that was pretty sweet. Um, but what happened was we uh, continued to uh, to drink and eat at the game. And um, I was sitting with Tom and a couple other people, and then the rest of our group that we went in with were sitting in a different section. So we were really kind of just with our people. And basically it was just me and Tom that knew each other. So we were just kind of talking. And then when the game was over, of course, Buffalo lost, which was a real, real disappointment. Um, still had a good time. We got separated going outside the stadium. And at that point in time, it was dark. And everything well, it was dark when we went in. But everything looked completely different on the way out. And I got lost for a period of time. And when I say lost... I wasn't out like in a field by myself or in the woods and couldn't find myself my way back. I, uh, I couldn't find Tom and I couldn't get him on the phone. And what had happened was it was so cold. My phone had uh, cut off from being so cold. I have an iPhone and I thought when I had upgraded that problem might've been solved, but it was not. And I couldn't get, keep the phone on long enough to, uh, get Tom to meet me somewhere. So, um, I, uh, I walked around aimlessly for about 10 minutes, <laughs> just uh, thinking I was maybe going in the right direction because we, we had tailgated in uh, this uh, transport bus that we had gone in, <clears throat> driven from our hotel in Buffalo outside to, to Orchard Park because the stadium's outside the city. Uh, it took a little while, and we parked at this restaurant. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, parked in their parking lot. I couldn't, can't remember the name of it now. But I did that night, and I finally found somebody that said, hey, is your phone working? Could you punch in the address of this phone of this restaurant and tell me if we're close? And um, and if so, can just point me in the right direction if you know your way around. And uh, so that person did, and they were real nice. And so after a few minutes, I found uh, I found my way back. Um, people were very nice. Now, um, you definitely don't want to have that to happen if you're – I don't want to have that happen again to me. That's for sure. Uh, it was a weird feeling. It was now it'd be one thing if I could, if I got time on the phone and said, "Hey, man, I got misdirected. Come meet me here, or you know, give me a landmark and I'll find that." Because um, my, you know, I can follow the directions on my phone or, or you know the little map. But my phone wouldn't stay on, and I, um, like I, I was able to cut it on, and I called time, and then it would cut off, and so I was getting really, really pissed. And so finally, I just decided, look, once he had told me, hey, we're waiting on you. You're the last one. I'm like, oh, God, they're going to leave me here. Uh, but it all worked out. Turns out there was somebody else that hadn't made it back to the bus yet either. And so I wasn't that one that everybody was, you know, 
when I got on, everybody's, you know, was throwing shit at me or anything. Uh, but anyway, the lesson there is uh, if you're going to go to a, a football game in another in another city and state, uh, don't don't get uh, separated from the person who's your lifeline, uh, who's your transportation home. Now, why was I in Buffalo, New York? Well, um, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, always have been. When I was in third grade, eight years old, uh, my dad worked for GE, and we kind of moved all around there for a few years. Um, I was born out in California, and we lived in Roanoke and Richmond and Buffalo. Um, so anyway, we, we moved to Buffalo for one year when I was in elementary school. And um, everything in Buffalo is the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres, the hockey team. It's the whole, um, it's a professional sports market. And I had not lived in one of those kind of markets before. And at age eight, you're pretty impressionable. And this is, of course, before the internet and all that. Um, but everything is Buffalo Bills. And this is the the end of the, this was right at the tail end, 1977 of the uh, O.J. Simpson era. Uh, Joe Ferguson was the quarterback. It was he was he still played there for several more years? But it was O.J.'s last year there before he went to play for the 49ers. Um, and it was just and so as an eight, as an eight year old, I just embraced that and always you know when we moved back to Virginia, I always liked the Bills, even though they sucked. They didn't win for a long time. I was a fan all the way through to losing all four Super Bowls in a row. And um, and I still am, and here we have we're having a good season now. So we'll see what happens. But that's how I ended up up there. And yeah, I, there's so much more of that story that I just really can't put into a uh, PG-rated podcast, I guess. So, um, but on the way back, I had something very nice happen to me, and um, not it just kind of went along with the generosity that was extended to me during this whole trip that. Like I said, I'm just not quite used to used to that. Uh, for an example, I kind of insisted on helping pay for the transportation from our hotel to the uh, stadium because um, Tom said, "Oh yeah, well that's being covered by so and so," and I'm like, "Well, how much is it?" And he tells me how much. I'm like, "Well, gosh, dude. I mean, I mean, I haven't paid for my ticket. I didn't pay for this jersey. I didn't pay for the dinner last night. I didn't pay for any of my drinks. You know, nobody will take my money." He's like, "Yeah, your money's no good." I said, "Well, just you know." Let me just give you this, and I gave him a, a bunch of money to help. I don't know. Just uh, I just felt like um, I needed to help offset it somehow, and I don't know. Anyway, so something of a much smaller scale happened. So I'm at the airport in the uh, Buffalo, New York, and waiting on my flight. And this was uh, Tuesday morning, uh, kind of early. I had to get up, get up and get uh, Tom drop me off at the airport before he drove six hours home to uh, Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And I cut my finger, and um, and I didn't have a Band-Aid or anything. And um, I cut it on my duffel bag, you know, slinging the thing over my shoulder kind of thing. And I didn't really realize it was cut until I realized, oh, there's a couple droplets of blood on my, the tail of my shirt. I'm like, gosh, man. So I go into one of those... Um, little sundry shops you know the that has the books and the magazines and you know everything you can imagine that you would need in an airport you know everything you know times you know times regular price back home and they had a uh little band-aid uh little thing of band-aid so i put that up on the counter and uh i was just telling the lady i said yeah it's funny i gotta pay three dollars for these two band-aids and i just cut my finger all i need is one and i got and she's like oh so she pulls out her first aid kit from behind the counter and she's rifling through there looking for 
a Band-Aid just to give me one. You know, that's all I needed. I didn't need a, a package of them. And uh, she couldn't find one. So uh, what does she do? She opens up the, the thing of Band-Aids I'm getting ready to buy. And she's like, ah, I got to restock it anyway. And she puts the remainder of the Band-Aids in there, pulls one out, and uh, and actually puts it right on my finger for me. And so um, just real nice uh, generosity. The whole trip was just full of hospitality and and, um, and generous people all the way down to the, the clerk at the sundry shop in the airport. Um you know, no complaints. Not that I was looking for any either. So that was my trip, Bubba. Um, if you're listening, yeah, there's a little bit more to that. You'll have to come out to our Saturday morning group run to get some of the other details that aren't so PG. Uh, but that's the one that goes out on the podcast. Uh, Bubba's from Buffalo. He's a big Buffalo Bills fan, Sabres fan. And I told him I would be telling the story in the next podcast. Uh, and so another thing that I discovered while I was gone, uh, and I had talked in the previous show about uh, signing up for the Buffalo Marathon. turns out that that's Memorial Day weekend, which is the same weekend. Uh, I have a uh, long-standing trip to, vi- to go to the Charlotte race down in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte NASCAR race. I, I go with my, uh, one of my old fraternity brothers, Rob. So that's a conflict. So uh, good thing I never signed up for that. Good thing I never got any flights. Um, uh Man, that just really, really bites. So I'm looking for another marathon now in a, in a state to add to my eight states, which is pretty lame. Uh, so anyway, that's, enough, that's all I'll say about that. That was a uh, real disappointment when that was discovered. Yeah, it kind of took a little bit of the wind out of my sails a little bit, uh, thinking that was going to be my spring marathon, and I'd started training. Uh, so let's uh, talk about that. That's a little bit more positive. Uh, Ashland Dave 2.0. So what that means is <clears throat> I'm version two after my injury. I did not run, I think, none between August 28th and around December 11th. Uh, I might have done that one two-miler with Ashland Bob. I did. I did that on the 14th, uh, actually a little before that. Uh, my heel, uh, plantar injury has healed. So I'm not walking with any pain. I'm not running with any pain, which is real nice to be free from that. And that way I can get back into cardio, uh, running that is, I don't, I don't really do machines. Um, yeah. So put on a little bit of weight, um, got up to 223. Uh, I'm about just to put that in perspective, uh, when I was training for my last ultra, I uh, was at 208. I was okay with that. My goal was to get to 200. I just couldn't. I got under 210. I just couldn't quite get away from 208, you know, without like not eating, which I don't. I don't think that's the way to go. It's really to lay off the pizza and the beer. I think that's the secret. Uh, so yeah. Um, now I'm at 219. So I've I've gotten some. There's some light at the end of the tunnel there. Uh, back running with my group on Saturday mornings. Uh, Ashland Bob has been the main uh, consistent one so far. Uh, Ashland Tom, Ashland Brad have been there a handful of times. Uh, Ashland Ron, um, been out of town uh, quite a bit. I think I've run with them once or twice. Uh, definitely back to the the Saturday the Saturday uh, running group. Uh, four miles is what we're up at. Um, I'm ready to make through that ready to do that breakthrough five miler um talk about what the breakthrough infection breakthrough pain 
I'm just trying to get the breakthrough five miler, which over the years when I've done training and I've kind of started back when I, you know, after an ultra or something and I've taken some time off and, um, you know, struggle to get the five and then you break through, you get that five mile, you break through and then that gets you right up to the, the higher single digits. And this is just me theorizing, of course. And then I get up to double digits and then from then, man, you just keep on rolling. So I'm very pleased with that. Uh, did my wife, uh, well, actually, it was actually some time to put together the uh, Christmas Eve run. Um, I think he said it was called, it was the Frozen Toes and Evil Elf uh, 5K. We had a nice uh, guest to come to the center of the universe, uh, Snuggy Bear from uh, the former, of the former Team Incognito. It's great to see him and uh, several people from his running group come out to Ashland. Um didn't take long before we realized we all really knew a lot of the same people. I think we had about 25 runners. Uh, it's an unofficial, informal group run. People just kind of put on some Christmas outfits and uh, do a 5K that uh, Ashlyn Tom had mapped out. And then uh, a lot of people just meet for coffee and, and a little bit of breakfast at uh, one of the little local places in downtown Ashland, center of the universe. And that was real nice. Uh, that was on Christmas Eve morning. I uh, had no problem with that, so I did that 5K. Um, and I'm back. So I've uh, been doing some midweek runs. Um, I ran, uh, I, actually, I didn't run on Christmas, or it's Christmas. I didn't run on New Year's Day because it was raining here, but I ran the day before and then I ran the day after. And then we had a big snowstorm here in the center of the universe. So we got about seven to eight inches where I live, which is unusual. And so haven't done any running here um, this week. Uh, I'll get to the gym. I'll get something done. Of course, it'll all be cleared out by Saturday. I'll get the group run out there. Uh, but that kind of leads me into uh, something I just want to discuss for a few minutes. Um, something that happened yesterday here uh, very close to locally, and then you'll see it on the news if you follow national news. Interstate 95 uh, comes right through central Virginia. goes from... Maine to Florida, and so it goes all the way through Virginia. There's a big chunk of it that's north of where I live. It comes right through Hanover County, right through Ashland, and so we have a handful of uh, interstate stuff that you know. When you get off the highway, you got your your well. There's not a Burger King anymore, but you got your Panera, Chick Fil A, all the gas stations. Um, Ashland, in the eastern part of the town, is kind of an interstate stop. Of course, Ashland was here before Interstate 95. Um, Route 1 goes right through Ashland as well, which is, uh, people call that the number one highway. That also goes from Maine to Florida. Anyway, there was a big, um, uh, big kind of a disaster right now on 95, Interstate 95. Uh, hundreds of people are stranded because of a large accident on the interstate during this big snowstorm that nobody was prepared for. Nobody heeded the warnings to stay off the road. I know some people have to have to go out. And uh, even our senator, Tim Kaine, the senator from Virginia, is uh, was driving up to D.C. yesterday, and he got stuck, and he's still out there stuck in his car. Well, and so the whole interstate was, was shut down, and nobody could get off the interstate. Uh, nobody could move, and they were there all night long from yesterday afternoon going on 24 hours. So... And then, you know, I'm looking on Twitter, and there's a lot, at Ashland Dave, and there's a lot of 
commenting on Twitter about why VDOT can't get the roads clear and um, why can't they do this? Why can't they do that? Why isn't the National Guard out there, you know, solving this problem and this and that? And I, I want to share a little secret with everybody about um, help and and when you're in a, when you're in a bad situation, what kind of help is available? What kind of help can really come your way? And I and the reason I can say this is because I spent 27 years in public safety, and most of that policing a locality of a county here, a major county in the Richmond metro area. First of all, please for the National Guard to be immediately deployed to anything. Um, there is no National Guard that's on duty 24 hours a day ready um, to jump into their military gear and to come out and solve any large-scale emergency that is happening in real time. Um, they're not on duty 24 hours a day. We don't have an active duty military force in this country that is here to serve and respond to emergencies in this country. It's just not, they're not available 24 hours a day. They have to be deployed. They have to be activated first. And you might wonder, who is the National Guard? Uh, the National Guard is your next door neighbor who uh, works at the Amazon warehouse. And one week in a month, he goes and does his guard duty. And then two weeks in the summer. Uh, that's what most National Guards are. Uh, at least in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, there's an Air National Guard, which is a little bit different. Um, and I'm sure I'll get somebody that will email me at ashlandave at gmail.com to uh, correct me. Um, but I do know that uh, had there been a National Guard that could deploy within an hour, two hours, five hours, six hours, ten hours, uh, they would be prob would probably be going out to help. However, the National Guard does not have snow plows. Uh, they don't have um, the kind of gear that goes out and clears out highways because that's not what they do. They don't plow snow. Um, so here's the secret. Um, you're pretty much on your own um, when disaster strikes. If you're out on the highway, you're at home, you're somewhere else, and there's a major disaster, you are your first responder. Um and I hate to say that because um, I worked as a first responder, but the police and, and EMS get there as quick as they can when they clear from other stuff. And um, there's not hundreds of police that are policing your county or your city at one time ready to come when you call 911. You'd be surprised how few are actually working. Like, for example, uh, City of Richmond Police, uh, I think they have about 600 officers, if I'm not mistaken. 600 officers aren't working at one time. Um, Hanover County, where I uh, retired from, has about 240 sworn officers. On day shift, you might have 20 deputies working. Midnight shift, maybe half of that. Um, actually at work, ready to respond when they're available and cleared from other things that they're called out on. Um, I, I implore people to realize that, that there, you really are on your own when it comes to any kind of disaster, your power being out, you know, it's up to you to provide for your family. Uh, we've, we've been conditioned to call 911 and to get, and that help comes. Um, I've been reading on Twitter that there are people that have been calling 911 because they're down insulin or their baby, something's wrong with their baby, whatever, stuck in one of these cars. And, you know, they don't get anybody on the other end because sometimes there's nobody there. Uh, there's shortages with COVID. 
uh, there's overload to the system, or there's just nobody to come. And um, I'll give a, an example of something that happened a few years ago. Um, I was still working for Hanover at the time, and I was working off duty at the hospital. And uh, you still have to go down and work at the hospital, even if it's you know snowstorm outside. My mem- I remember my wife was out of town, and my daughter was here by herself. And I didn't take my police car down there. I had a um, unmarked uh, Chevy Malibu, as a matter of fact, because I was an investigator. Uh, that car wasn't going to get me there, so I took our own four-wheel drive vehicle because I didn't need a police car for the, the assignment that I was going to be working on. And I get down there fine. Uh, it's snowing you know, like crazy the whole time. And then I remember on my way back, actually, this is the time I ran into my neighbor's wife at the hospital, and she needed a ride home. I, gave, I remember giving her a ride home. But I had my police, my portable police radio on on the way home, and uh, I remember uh, that an announcement of a bulletin came out on the radio that uh, no tow truck companies were going to be coming out anymore uh, because they couldn't get out. And so people who were out, they got stuck, uh, they could call 911. They might get a police response if one was available, but, but no tow truck was going to come get their car out because there were, the, car, the trucks weren't coming out anymore because the conditions were so bad. And so sometimes you're you're going to be on your own. Um, it, it's something that's good good to know. Um, you know, be prepared. Have stuff in your car. Don't don't drive around in a snowstorm or, or head out without some kind of equipment in your car that you can that you can sustain on for you know eight to ten to twelve uh, hours longer than that. Nobody ever thinks it's going to happen to them like none of these people did that are stuck on Interstate ninety five. Um, but they're all screaming for help and they want somebody to come help them. And sometimes there's just, there's just nobody that can get out there, uh, until their turn. And, um, that's just the reality to the whole emergency response system is that there is a a responder out there for every person that calls, they get prioritized and sometimes people just are not available to come. And, um, why there's people that think that there's a national guard, that is on work and shift work and they're available 24 hours a day to, to get in their Humvees and, and roll out to help anybody that needs it. That's just not the way things are set up. Um, that's just not. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are, don't realize that. Uh, there's also a lot of people that are blaming our former governor, I mean our incoming governor for what's happening, saying how he's failed his first test. Whereas the uh, the reality is that the new governor hadn't even been sworn in yet. It's still uh, our old governor. This is the one that wore blackface and lied about it. And uh, we st- he'll be going out, and the new and Yunkin will be coming in, and maybe things will go in a little bit less uh, insane direction for a while. Um, anyway, that's uh, I just had to bring that up because that was something that's been happening here right now, and, and my heart goes out to the folks that are stranded. There's very little we can do um, if we're not able to drive right out there and bring them assistance because it's, it's north of here. And there's no way to get to them. Uh, that's for emergency responders to handle. Uh, on a little bit positive note, but but some sadness to it, um, I want to just bring up something about Tunnels to Towers. If you, and this is not a, a plug for Tunnels to Towers. This is just um, something I want to share uh, because I saw it here recently, and this is a really big deal. Uh, Tunnels to Towers is the uh, organization that helps pay off the mortgages for first responders and other military uh, people who have perished either in um, tragic situations where uh, police or, or fire or killed in the line of duty or, or military people are 
um, disabled or killed, and uh, they're left with a mortgage. So um, here recently, we had we were notified that there were two people with local connections that uh, paid the ultimate price who had their mortgages paid off on December 7th, 2021. Uh, one was Brad Clark, uh, who was a firefight, Hanover firefighter that was killed in the line of duty on October 11th of 2018. He left behind a wife and four daughters. And uh, then Trooper Chad Dermeyer, who was killed during a um, drug arrest situation at the Greyhound bus station in the city of Richmond, Virginia, on March 31st, 2016. He left behind a wife and two children. Um, both of their mortgages were paid off by Tunnels to Towers in on December 7th. And uh, we donate to that. My wife and I do. Uh, we've been doing that for quite some time. I remember I saw the commercials over and over and over. And I thought, why am I not giving $11 a month to this, you know, with other Americans and, and helping folks like Brad and, and Chad out, you know, their families. And so we did. We've been doing that for uh, a number of years now. And it makes me feel good to know that part of my donations help pay off those mortgages. You know, not me personally paid it off, but me with donations, uh, you know, combined with other Americans. And I have, I have a lot of pride. That makes me very proud to know that I was a part of that. Um, so I suggest uh, if you're looking for a cause, uh, that's one that'll go on forever. Tunnels to Towers. You can look, I guess, Tunnels to Tower. TNT.org, I think, is the website. You can go to ashlanddave.podbean.com. I'll link to it there. Otherwise, you can just Google it yourself. Um, all right, don't forget about listener roll call. That's at ashlanddave at gmail.com. Uh, heard from a few already. Let's, uh, I'm not going to read out the whole ones, but I'll just list the names of the folks that we already heard from. I appreciate y'all checking in. Uh, just remember, you can check in at ashlanddave at gmail.com. Heard from Tim. Tim's out of Tennessee. Been listening a long time. Appreciate it, Tim. Definitely put you on the list there. I uh, heard from Ryan and heard from Bruce. And Bruce uh, has his own podcast. And um, I'll get that here in just a second called Just a Runner's Podcast. I'll link to that also at ashlanddave.podbean.com. I'll say more about Bruce when we do the listener roll call. Uh, and, of course, uh, David Williams. Appreciate all y'all checking in. Uh, much appreciated. You can do that at ashlanddave at gmail.com. So if you've been withholding or delaying or just been kind of bashful, go ahead and send me that email at ashlanddave.gmail.com. Let me know where you hail from, what your uh, name is. I don't use last names. I don't save email addresses. I don't market anybody. And just let me know what kind of running you do in a short little quick summary there, which I will probably summarize even more uh, briefly uh, when the listener roll call comes around. And glad to uh, recognize everybody that listens to the show on a regular basis. So you're in, you're in the company of about 170 nice people. Uh, that's how many uh Listeners, I think I've salvaged over the years going forward here. So I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, I'll have another show coming out soon. I wasn't really on my uh, on my game for this show. I apologize for that. But uh, I have a new show come out. I thought the content this week, this, this time around, wasn't too bad, though. Uh, this is National Dave reminding you to run to the finish. Keep on running. Don't forget to hug your kids. And remember to make today better than yesterday, or if you procrastinate, you can make tomorrow better than today. Y'all have a good week.